Well, what do you think the most popular television show for people of faith is? I'll give you a short summary from NBC's official summary. It says the show chronicles the lives of the Pearson family across several decades, including characters who all share the same birthday. We'll come back to the answer here in just a moment. The number one most popular television show for people of faith. There's an off-quoted article Amy Bernstein wrote several years ago about the quote-unquote American dream. Something to think about as we enter into 2018 here. She wrote, for Americans with a household income under $25,000, it would take $54,000 a year to fulfill the American dream. For those who make $100,000, they crave an average of $192,000 to live as they want. In other words, the American dream lies twice the distance away in people's minds. So, essentially, people believe they need twice what they have to be happy. We understand, though, getting does not last. What lasts is giving and creating things. The getting will never fulfill anyone. That's why R.C. Sproul said it so well. Our problem isn't wanting things too much. It's not wanting him enough. We're going to look at a verse out of Luke 19, just verse 13. But in this verse, Jesus gives instructions on how to live any time in life. Something I hope we'll kind of take as our own mission for 2018. It's just four words that he says here. In the context of Luke 19, though, he's giving the answer to what is fulfillment, what is the will of God. So it's not pursuing twice as much as I have. The, the getting will never do that. It's in the giving and the being obedient to the call. If you ever wondered what is God's will, here he states it in, in four words. In the parable, Jesus is talking about himself as king. And he says the king goes away, but he gives assignments while he is gone. And one day the king comes back and he says in the coming back in the parable, some people were glad he came back. Others were upset that he came back because they rejected him. But here's what he says, though, to his servants in the parable and to us today. He says four words, occupy till I come, occupy till I come. That word occupy doesn't mean to take up space like we use it today. In King James, in that time and in today's translation, it would mean to be about your assignment. The second meaning is to improve things. To be about your assignment and to improve things. What is God's will? That you and I occupy till Jesus comes. When that will be, nobody can see it. Could be soon, it could be years from now. But until that time, he says improve things. Be about the assignment that he has given. We're gonna look here at something from Job and continue to consider that context, occupy till I come, but keep that in mind. What is it I could begin improving today? We look around the community, there's needs, Sure, in your own family, there are needs, things you can do in your own spiritual life. What you, could you begin doing today to make that improvement, to make things better for others and also in your own spiritual life? Tim McCarthy says, I say to my students, where will you be in the index of a history book a hundred years from now? Timothy McCarthy, a Harvard historian, where would you be in the index book a hundred years from now, when history writes the pages of 2018, Jesus says, occupy, improve things until I come. So back to where we started, 
What is the most popular television show for people of faith? Again, the first part of the summary, the show chronicles the lives of the Pearsons and several characters who share the same birthday. Continuing, it says the show follows Jack and Rebecca as young parents in the 80s and later follows the lives of their 37-year-old kids, Kevin, Kate, and Randall. And here's the key as they, quote, search for love and fulfillment in the present day. Now, that show is called This Is Us. It's not a comedy. It's not science fiction. It's not a crime story. It's a story about a group of people, again, that are what? Searching for love and fulfillment. As we say often, what do people really want? It's not twice the stuff they have. What people are seeking is love and fulfillment. Where does that fulfillment come from? Well, as Jesus said, occupy till I come. Being obedient in Him is that fulfillment. The love is the love that we then give. Do we give to receive or do we give because that's who we are at our core? I want us to stop and think about something here as we enter into this year, something Anthony Robbins shared, and I think it's just a brilliant statement. He says, you know, we all have problems, but he said, here's one of the keys of life. Get rid of the boring problems. Get rid of the boring problems. Make a commitment as we enter into the new year. Get rid of the boring problems, the petty things that people argue about, the petty things that we wrestle with, the, the criticisms and the silly arguments that people have. You turn on the news, you can see example after example of just the boring problems, but we often have those in our own lives and our relationships as well. So we say, you know what? Let me get rid of the boring problems. Where should we, where should we put our focus? See that problems can be a gift, the real problems, whether it's something you face or a problem in the world that you can step into. You know, recently statistics came out to show there are a lot more people, for instance, that are in slavery in the world. The estimate is now 40 million people. It's a tremendous problem for somebody to step into and say, how can I occupy, improve that situation? looking into our own community, maybe again, your own relationships, but saying, let me get rid of the boring problems and let me start getting into the real problems in life and recognize, you know, sometimes the source of my biggest pain can be the source of my greatest growth. It's been well said, our biggest problem is to believe we shouldn't have any. But problems make that growth. As we've said before, you know, if you go to the gym and you lift weights and you can do 10 reps, that 10th rep is not where you grow. You grow on the 11th rep. When you push through, when you find a way, when you do what you think that you couldn't do, and you come out the other side stronger. And as James says, once you learn and grow from those problems, you can then help other people with that new growth that you then have. In 1897, a man named Pearl Waite, he was a salesman that made different products and types of medicines and things like cough syrup. He started to experiment with different flavors. He came up with something that he thought, you know, people could probably use this as a treat. His wife said, let's call it Jell-O. And in 1897, Jell-O was invented. But here's the thing, Pearl Weight, two to three years later, did not make much money. So he gave up on this concept and he sold the rights to Jell-O to a man named Orator Woodward. Now, Pearl Waite, unfortunately, eventually went bankrupt, got very ill, and things did not go well in his life. 
On the other side, though, you had Order Woodward, who paid $450 for the Jell-O patent, and in eight years made it into a million-dollar company. What's the difference? One man had the short-term vision, another man had a long-term vision to say, if I could show people the value in what I have, they would receive that and even pay for that product. Tremendous difference from two people that had the same situation, but a whole different outlook on it. That is in the essence of what you find in the book of Job. We're going to look at just one verse, Job 40, verse 4, but just a brief background on Job in the story. Satan has come to test him, and Satan has this statement to God, look, if you are Job and you lose everything, you'll turn away from God. And so then Satan begins to torment Job and destroy parts of his life and people that he loves with the belief that Job will abandon his faith. And in the end, Job finds a deeper faith through the challenges and the hurts and the pains in life. But much of Job, unfortunately, people don't read because it's a a long book and it's a lot of conversations. And in those conversations, Job and some other people, they talk about life and meaning and the problem of evil. And at the end of the book, at least spend time reading the last six chapters, last six chapters, just a, a brilliant discussion there because Job then says, you know what? God has dropped the ball and I could run this universe better than him. And suddenly the voice of God speaks and God says, Job, if you're so smart, tell me how creation happened. And then he says, you know, Job, if you're so wise, count the stars in the sky. Job, if you're so smart, what would you do to fix the problems in all of history? And most importantly, he says to Job, and if you're so wise, Job, where do you think I've been in the midst of all this problem and pain and loss in your life? And Job finally sees that God's presence is what has given him the strength to face the trials. And that he only had a limited perspective where God has an eternal perspective. And then he says these three words in Job 44 when he recognizes God's grace. He simply says, I am speechless. I am speechless. As we enter into 2018, to stop and say, you know what? We've had a lot of speechless moments in our lives. We just tend to forget them because things get in the way. But to stop and appreciate and say, you know what? When those moments of grace happened, when those moments of God's mercy, when those moments of abundant joy were there, did I stop and appreciate them and just say, it was so beautiful, I was speechless. Let me give you an example of that speechless. In Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, there was an Amish family. Now, they don't publish their last names, but her name was Esther. She was a mother. Her son was five. He was crossing the streets from their house to their barn across the road, and a drunk driver came down the road and hit the child. And I'll just read what happened next. The police now and the ambulance had arrived. The young mother approached the squad car and said, please take care of the boy. Assuming the mother meant her critically injured son, the officer replied, the ambulance and the doctor will do the best they can. 
The mother pointed to the suspect in the back of the car. I mean the driver. We forgive him. You can see why this made news across the world. Her care was for that driver as well. A moment of grace. One of those moments that's not heard of much. One of those moments where we just stop and say, you know what? When God works wonders like that, I am speechless. And maybe a prayer for this year is, God, show me more of those moments, those speechless moments. You know, I lost my mother this past week, and and there was a lot of pain in that, of course. And she was unconscious in the hospital, but she woke up, and we got to speak on Christmas and share some tremendous eternal moments, speechless moments. Sometimes the source of great pain can be the source of tremendous growth and blessing. When we can stop and say, you know what? When I see God's grace in His hand in that moment, I am speechless. To step into the new year and say, you know what? Let me occupy till He comes. Let me improve things. Let me get rid of these boring problems and instead look for those speechless moments where He truly shines through in my life. I've shared some things from James Malinchak. He's a writer and a speaker, a businessman. But he said here was one of those key moments that changed his life. And he said, you know, he was working on a business and things were not going like he wanted, but he had an uncle in New York. He said this uncle, very, very successful. And so he said, can I come talk to you about business? And so he went out to meet his uncle and he said they were walking down the street, New York City, just talking about principles of success. And his uncle said, hey, if we pass a candy store, I want to stop and grab uh, some chocolate, one of those chocolate turtles. And as they walked, they passed the store. And so they went inside and his uncle asked the clerk, do you have those chocolate turtles? She said, yes. He said, I'll take one. She wrapped it up, put it in a bag, slid it across to him. And then she said, that'll be $2.50. And James Malinchak said his uncle slid the candy back to her and said, no, thank you. And they walked out the door and left. And they went down the road and James said, you know, I couldn't stand it. The curiosity was killing me. So I said to my uncle, you have a million dollar company. You wanted that piece of candy. Why didn't you buy it? And what his uncle said changed his life. His uncle said, you know, that candy was worth 50 cents. She wanted $2.50. He said, here was the key thing my uncle said. He said, I don't let anyone steal from me. He wasn't just talking about money. He went on and said, you know, you must respect what you have. If you don't respect it, you will lose it. I don't let anybody steal from me. What a great statement. When we stop and think about faith and joy and love and peace and all the people that may try to steal that and to stop and say, I'm not going to let anybody steal that from me. I'm going to occupy till he comes. Whether that's soon or decades or centuries away. I'm going to occupy till he comes because he's given me an assignment and I refuse to let anybody steal from me. People bring a lot of 
critical thinking and a lot of critical statements into other people's lives and they do what they can to often steal that person's joy or their faith. And of course, Satan does that same work as well until we stop and say, you know what? I'm not going to let anybody steal from me any longer. As we get ready to stop and think about a few things to pray about for the years, let me give you some thoughts to maybe consider. Maybe begin today to simply say in your prayer and in your thinking, what can I start to improve today? What boring problems do I need to stop focusing on? What is a benefit that I've gained from a source of pain? And what are some speechless moments from my life in the last three months? You see, as we enter into January, it's always a time of reflection. It's always a time to stop and say, you know, thank you, God, for the speechless moments in your care and protection the past year. And thank you for the vision you have for me in the new year. But it has to be something we take and put our life into action and into faith to say, let me be about that assignment that he has given unto me. You know, there's a fascinating story about a young woman named Nikki Stone, and she wanted to be a gymnast. She had practiced to be a gymnast, and she worked hard at it. And she then one day was watching people that were doing the ski jumps, and she said, I think I could do that. The problem was, she said, I was afraid of heights. But She went to a diving board and began to jump off the high dive to get over that fear. And then she began to train in skiing because she thought, I can be the best in the world at the ski jump where they do the flips and I could win maybe even some contests. She thought about maybe even being a gold medalist. But what happened one day is she got badly injured and she broke her back. She went into deep depression And a year and a half, she said she was in the darkness. And then she asked some doctors, she could barely even walk, would you help me to to get better so I can ski again? And the doctors said no, they wouldn't. And she was turned down by physician after physician. They said that would be crazy to put your health at risk again. She finally found a doctor who would work with her. She went into deep, painful training and recovery. And she said, here's what changed my life. She said, I read a poem one day, and she said that poem was entitled, You Must Not Quit. And then she learned that Joe Frazier, the boxer, won Olympic gold with a broken hand. And she said, you know what? If they can do that, if he can do that, then I can overcome this. And she went back to train, and she made it to the Olympics, and she won the gold. In fact, she became the first American to win the aerial skiing competition overcoming the great odds. Why? Because she refused to quit. As we enter into the new year, let us have that same heart to say, you know what? I refuse to quit. I refuse to let anybody steal my joy. I'm going to start finding something I can begin to improve today. I'm going to stop focusing on those boring problems. I'm going to look for the benefits in some of my greatest sources of pain. How did I grow? How can I help others? And I'm going to look for those speechless moments and pray that God brings them to my awareness as this year before us unfolds.
So let us be about occupying, improving the assignment that He's given us. And let us spend a lot more time in 2018 simply saying, you know what, God? I am speechless.